there are many relationships in my life that I see as love relationships that are not my closest, that I don't invest as much time into. But like, they're real in the same way that, you know, I'm kind of that level with the Mets. You are, you are the regular, you live together in the same apartment with the Mets. Welcome back to the podcast, Fandom, What Sports Fans Actually See. This is the 10th and final episode of this 10-part series, and I'm very excited to have on a three-time recurring guest, Lex Rothberg, to discuss the parallels of life's loving relationships, whether that be about family members, friends, or romantic partners, with the different ways that we love our sports teams. Now, there are a few different themes that we chat about. How loving your sports teams is about dealing with the difficult times, when it's appropriate to quote-unquote cheat on your team, the stigma against learning to love a new team late in life, and certain instances where it feels like your favorite team is breaking up with you. I had a lot of fun recording this with Lex, and if you've made it through all of the nine previous episodes, thank you for listening. I hope you've learned a lot and look at your sports fandom in a new light. Now here's the 10th episode on love. Hello everybody, welcome to the 10th and final episode of Fandom, What Sports Fans Actually See. We are here, number 10, and we have a very special guest to wrap things up. Uh, he opened this 10-part series with a couple episodes, and now he is closing it. He's one of the most popular guests we've had. Everybody raves about you, by the way, Lex. Um, <laughs> and just for a refresher, he was Great. the speaker on Love the re- religion episode and the emotion episode. Everybody says, like, who is that guy for the first two episodes? you got to get him back. He's got a great <laughs> radio voice. Um, so we are talking the 10th and final episode about the topic of love. And I want to reintroduce Rabbi Lex Rothberg, a rabbi now who, when we started eight months ago, was in school. How does it feel to be a rabbi? It feels great. And clearly you deserve credit because, you know, I I wasn't a rabbi, then I spoke with you, and then I was. So that's causation right there. Boom. Absolutely. That's causation. I am screaming into the microphone. I am so excited. So we'll have to edit this. (laughs) But I am pumped to uh, be the cause and effect of you graduating rabbinical school. So, uh, mazel tov. Um, thank you, thank you. So let's, let's jump into it. This is a very esoteric topic. Um, love, very open-ended. Um, I would assume that most people, when they think about love, think about romantic love. Um, but, you know, we can also talk about the parallels with sports and other aspects of love, not just relationships with significant others, but that of friends, family, uh, Pets obviously have a special, uh, intricate type of love. Um, you know, uh, right off the bat, when I think about the parallels of us loving a sports team and loving uh, an individual, I think of a few key factors um, that, that are the same. Uh, loyalty, devotion, uh, the knowledge aspect. So getting to know someone, getting to know a team and their players in and out, as well as the history um, and quite frankly, you have to have uh, a little bit of irrationality uh, and insanity. So, Lex, I would love uh, for you to tell me what your thoughts are when you think about what uh, the love of your sports teams has taught you about love and other aspects. Whew. Okay, let's do it. Um, 
I'm thinking most directly about an email thread I had today because I am constantly in the present and bad at reflecting at things that were not really recently. So I had an email thread today. Thread it. I had an email thread today, not Reddit, with my mom, who is a person I love. Um, but that's actually not the like the point of this. Although maybe it's a little related. We'll get to that later. But like, my mom emails me the morning of any day that there is a Marquette basketball game, um, because like a bunch of months ago, there was one time that I somehow like forgot there was a Marquette college basketball game and just like missed it um and so she now forwards me this email she gets like from the marquette account because she like usually has season tickets when it's not a pandemic um so she is on whatever list that they have and so she forwards it to me as like a hey love you reminder even though i i don't forget these games because i'm obsessed with this team um and she sent an email today and it was like i know it like it's hard right now because Marquette has just been terrible lately. They, um, this year's team, and I'm using this on purpose because we're talking about love, but this is a heartbreaking team because this team is actually very talented. It's not one of those teams where you watch and you're like, okay, look, we're losing, but it's because we're just not that good. It's, it's like a more creatively terrible team where they're actually talented But I feel like the coaching is really bad and there's poor decisions all the time. And just every game is close against good teams, against bad teams, whatever. And we tend to be falling out on the wrong side of them. And so that experience is so heartbreaking and very reminiscent of challenging moments in various kinds of relationships that I've had, whether that's romantic relationships or um friend relationships or family relationships. I mean, even my mom's the person who sent me the email. Um, and it, it actually, in certain ways, reminds me of relationships with my dad and some of the hard moments that we've had, uh, with, that I've had with him, where I've, because um, this email thread, I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but this email thread, I literally said this morning before the game, I was like, I have a feeling they're going to win today. They're playing a bad team. I have a feeling they're going to win by a very small amount. They're not going to look good. But they're going to look just good enough so that I get my hope up a little bit so that then they're going to lose two or three games and sort of eliminate all doubt that they're a reasonably good team. And as of now, as we're recording this, they did indeed win that game by three points. They were up 18 with 12 minutes to go, choked away that entire lead, and they won by three, but that was only because the, the other team, Butler, missed a shot at the buzzer. Like, they could have tied it. So really a terrible choke job. But like it 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 felt like, oh, I know it's coming. I know there's gonna be this th- and like I feel like they're gonna win, but it's not because good things are happening. It's because the bad things are right around the corner and it's gonna hurt more because I've been built up a little bit through that. Anyway, long ramble, but that's where I'm at on the love front right now. So so you, there's a few things like, you know, the fact that your mom is the one like initiating that that I mean that's that's a great connection. I know that for me when my mom prints out the Jets schedule, the Jets suck. I'm probably not going to watch all of their games, but she knows to print the schedule and let me know when the Jets are playing. That, that 
I love I, I, that's that's a great connection. You know that you know that your mom cares about you. Um, the actual yeah, feeling. Key, I didn't yeah. emphasize that yeah. in telling it, but that is a key part of the story. That a way of her transmitting love to me is through that reminder of the Marquette game, even though she knows right. that I almost certainly know what's happening. Right, it's her way of saying I'm thinking of you. That's it. You know, that's that's it. She's not trying to have a huge dialogue about. It. It's like when we when we text a friend out of the blue that we haven't spoken to in in eight months, nor do we feel compelled to like get on a FaceTime and talk for two hours. Just a little. I'm thinking of you, and it's a great. It's great that sports is a vehicle for that. Um, the other thing you're, you're talking about is just kind of the like the the false optimism. It's like they're gonna win to make you a little happy and excited about the next time. There's kind of like an either negative or nihilistic feel about that. But at the same time, you still want to watch. Like they can get your hopes up. You you can still feel optimistic that this is going to broaden and build into something great. You have to watch. It's more than you want to. And that's where the love parallel is. You, you, you have to watch. If it's actually a true fandom, a true relationship that you have, like – I even said to her, I think, I forget if this was today or the last game. Like, I'm just, all these emails are blurring together because the Marquette games have been so similar this year. But um, I I even said to her, like, this is so hard. And now is the moment that tests us as fans. Like, if you if you truly are in this, you prove it in the moments where it's this kind of Marquette team and not the kind of Marquette team that is on the Final Four run in 2003 when I was in seventh grade. I think I talked about that the first mm-hmm. time I was on this show. But like, yep. that's that's true of relationships as well. Like, you prove it in those terrible moments, or at least in the not quite terrible, but like the hard moments, and not in the moments where it's easy. I think, honestly, I remember... Like when I first started rooting for each team I'm super into, and I feel like most of us, you know, we might root for a team just because we were we grew up in that place. But there's like a formative time where they were pretty good at one point, whether they won a championship or whatever is immaterial. But like you're sort of dating, right? Like there's like the thrill of that initial connection where your team is good enough to really get your blood pumping And then, you know, maybe they're good for a few years. If you're one of these assholes in New England where I live, maybe their Patriots are good for a bazillion years. Um, But most of the time, they're not good for a bazillion years. And that honeymoon period is short. And then you're no longer dating. You're in a different stage of the fandom relationship. And that's where you prove it because, you know, and by the way, plenty of people don't prove it in both realms, right? Like plenty of people stop rooting for the team at that point and they're fair weather fans and in relationships whether it's friendship or family or ro- or romantic people often don't make it past that stage also like so it's not that you automatically prove it but that's where the testing happens yeah and it's interesting for for the mindset of people like if we're talking about if we're talking about dating you know there are some people who feel like it's a march madness bracket where you can have five great dates and the one one bad one is like all right that's it it was sudden you know sudden death or uh, you know yeah. do or die like the NFL playoffs um, what you're talking about that that honeymoon phase 
is kind of fascinating because just in this, I don't really think about like I don't think about fair weather fans, but like maybe maybe there are more fair weather fans that exist. And this is kind of like what I'm trying to figure out in my life as far as like, you know, just the overall ethos of what it means to be a sports fan. Are there more fair weather fans, people that give up, people that quote unquote divorce after a very short period of time because it's just not worth their investment or they just are entitled to the good times? Um, Because when I think about when I think about real fair weather, I just I don't think about I think about it in terms of like, you know, there's an underdog. There's a 14 seed that's in the sweet 16, you know, like everybody get on their bandwagon. That's when I think about like, you know, quote unquote fair weather. But maybe there are more people that just, you know, will love the the Mets if they're in a pennant chase. And then the next year, if they're not good, they don't know a single player. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it, it was just I, I was thinking like. Again, the whole reason why this podcast started is like just for me to kind of intellectualize and rationalize why I care about all these lousy sports teams. And, you know, I, I, I thought of this very, you know, popular movie in the 80s when Harry met Sally. Uh, like, they, you know, it's the whole question of can you know, a guy and a girl be friends? And turns out that the, you know, the main characters, Harry and Sally, loved each other, you know, either this whole time or that the more the time they spent together, the more they loved each other. And, the final scene is, you know, before they like, you know, really consummate their love or whatever, live happily ever after a roll credits was, you know, Sally is just crying to Harry and just says, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. And she clearly doesn't hate him. Right. That's just that's just her way of expressing frustration with Harry because she loves him so much and he keeps on like getting her hopes up. Like, is this real? Like. I feel like hate and love go together so much more in sports too, because you still stick with it. You still, you still stick with your team for a lot of people. How else can all these teams yeah. still have solid fan bases if, if they go through, you know, years, if not decades of turmoil. I mean, look at, you know, Bills right. fans and Browns fans this year. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, I, I'm thinking about what you said with the Fairweather fans. First off, I do think there are a lot and I want to, I want to complicate even what I said before. Maybe I'm disagreeing with myself. Um, truly, you, that's when you can tell that I'm a rabbi now. Um, disagreeing with myself. <laughs> but like the Fairweather fans thing, I, I do think that there are a lot of them. I think they may be by various definitions of Fairweather, most of fans. Now, I want to complicate that because I actually think that maybe it's not the worst thing. Like maybe there is actually a place for the level of fandom, for the kind of relationship where people kind of are along for the ride when it's like when it works for them in their life, when they're at a stage in their life where it works. Often, by the way, that's when they're in relationship with somebody for whom they share a love for that team. Um, but even if it's not like I think there's maybe a, I don't know if this is a love or if it's just sort of like a friendship or a lower level kind of relationship that I actually think is healthy and good. And I worry sometimes that we set up this situation where sports fans make it feel like you must be either all in or nothing. And, you know, the premise of this show and of my own relationship with most of my teams is that like, I really want to be bought in all the way. Right. Um, I am going to be screaming at that TV about how I hate this team when I actually love them to go with the Harry Met Sally thing. Um, but I don't know, like I'm thinking of real kinds of relationships I have with people 
although I'm wrestling with whether I would call them love relationships, like mm-hmm. real relationships I have with people that aren't the core characters of my life, but who I do connect with here and there and who I do care about. And is that similar to my relationship with, I don't know, I, I'm trying to think of the right sports example, with... Um, I, I have one. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, it's like, is this is this like when you root for like an underdog? Like if you're rooting for the Tampa yeah, Bay maybe. Rays in the playoffs to make a playoff run, like I'm rooting for you. Like I wish, I, I see some aspects of myself in that team. Um, I see some great virtues and values. I don't know if I we totally align on everything. You're not my team, but yeah. it might be the same way as like you have a fling. You know, obviously you're married, but That's... like when you're dating, you had a fling, or you're with your friend who was in a class one semester. Like right. you're going to be friendly with that person because you see them more and get to know them more. It might yeah, not be someone that's friends for right. life, or but, yeah. or it's like the example of like let's say Marquette continues being terrible, which I think is a safe bet. Like. There have been years where Marquette has had a bad team and Providence, who is in the same conference as Marquette, has had a less bad team. I live in Providence and I love the city that I live in. And I don't feel any level of shame that I am in a lot of measurable senses a Fairweather Providence fan. It's not just Fairweather. It's not only when they're good. It's when Marquette is also bad. Like those two things have to be the case because if Marquette's good, I'm I'm fully focused on rooting for them. Um, I don't know. Maybe now I'm thinking of like love and if this ties to like questions of polyamory, I don't know. But like, um, <laughs> I, I, um, which by the way, I, I don't have, I don't, I think there's great people who have polyamorous relationships. I think there's complicated cons of polyamorous relationships, not to, you know, go down that road. But like, I, I don't know. I'm just thinking about how I think there are more fans than we think whose fandom waxes and wanes for a variety of reasons. And it could be that, you know, they're they're not that active in their expression of fandom when the team is mediocre, but when they're better, when the team is better, they sort of show up more. And we could look at that negatively. And I do think there are downsides to that, especially when we analogize it to love. Or we could actually flip it and say, ah, the love is showing because at a moment where, you know, my city is coming together, and sharing a connection to this team because they're having a good moment, I, the fan, am jumping aboard because I want to show my love for the people in my world and for my city. So you could see it in both directions, right? Where it's a, it's a negative because you're only really there in the good moments. Or you could see it as, huh, maybe there's a different love that's happening where you're manifesting your love for people in your life that share a connection to that team because there's a moment where that connection matters more you know they're in the playoffs they're deep in the playoffs whatever right and you had brought this up in a previous episode it's kind of like you know as as a a packers fan right like you're in rhode island that matters more. like you you are glad to see other packers fans you you know you want to be part of like packer nation whatever so you want to share that love but kind of when you're alone or at least alone in the sense that you're not living in Wisconsin that there are less Packers fans around like that love that you have for the team when you're watching the game like I think that's more that can be more special uh you know more quote-unquote intimate than you know if you were in Wisconsin and like the pulse of this of of the state 
you know, there's there's many different types of, of there's many different types of love. I think that there's you know there's the there's the intimate aspect, but then there's also obviously um, you know being able to sh- you know share a friends group with each with each other versus like that one on one friend you have. Um, yeah. But uh, I I think. I think what's also really cool, you know, anecdotally for me, because I, I have, I've been like a, a sport, a big sports fan for like the four, four teams and the four major sports, Mets, Jets, Knicks and Islanders. But two years ago, my buddy took me to a Tottenham Hotspur bar in New York City and I just fell in love. Uh, they, they were known as like the Jewish Mets of soccer uh, they're called Yid Army, and I just I I love the team, and I thought about like, hey, how do I have to validate? How do I? I'm 28 years old at the time. How do I have to validate my fandom? Um, you know, and obviously there's definitely definitely different types uh, of traits that I needed to you know, I needed to learn about the team. That's the knowledge aspect. I needed to you know care about the team and like. When I moved to Colorado, I still get up at 5 to 6 a.m. to watch games. No TiVo, Mm -hmm. no DVR. I watch all the games live. But this other thing of like, hey, my upbringing was like you have teams that are early in your life and you root for them. So it's like how can a 28-year-old all of a sudden not just have a team but like fall in love with the team? And then it just reminds me of like meeting a significant other. Like there was a world – before you met that person that you didn't know yeah. that person existed and now you do and now 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 it's now the world is different because of that that's yeah. how i felt about tottenham hotspur like i didn't have to validate changing a team at nearly or, or not changing a team but like adopting a new team nearly at 30 because i knew like this this was that love at first sight moment yeah and Um, and by the way what you're describing first off i think what you're describing is really interesting because somebody could hear you say that and be like what's the issue it's not like you were rooting for some other premiership team and like switch to tottenham it's like this is like a new sport but there is still like a psychological thing where somehow we've all convinced ourselves that like it's sort of less permissible to adopt a new team later in life like you're supposed to you're supposed to have it from childhood. And if you do it later, like your motives are suspect, which that's like an interesting thing. Now, we could really complicate it and say, what if for whatever deep set of reasons you, Adam Scheinman, woke up tomorrow and were like, I'm not a Mets fan anymore. I am now a fan of some other team in Major League Baseball. That's like, whoa. I mean, that's – and to go to the love analogies, that's that feels like – cheating right like it feels like you're cheating on a significant other if if you were to do that um and if you're like a deep fan of one team and you just oh they're out of the playoffs i'm like now gonna pretend i'm just as big of a fan of somebody else there's like there's like a what there's as as a as a deep sports fan like even if i'm sort of happy for i remember when the eagles won the super bowl i was like happy for them they that philadelphia has deserved a championship in my eyes for a long time and that city really cares about the like i was i had friends in philly there were but like i would never have like claimed to be anywhere near like an eagles fan because it would be like a violation of something i hold to be core like an element of me that is comparable to a kind of official relationship and so 
that's but like people do that now i think they're sometimes quiet about it but there are people who grow up rooting deeply for a team and then for whatever set of reasons switch now do i like that no are there situations where like what would i do if in five years and this is actually interesting because the mets ownership just changed but like Mm -hmm. if if somebody i found truly abominable was either the owner of a team I love or like the star player of the team I love, like that would create a really serious set of questions for me. And I would have to figure out what to do about that. Now, would I go and root for some other team? I don't think so. But would I have to consider if I am the same kind of fan, if the, if the like key figure of the team is somebody whose ethics I think are abominable. I don't know. I mean, I actually, a, f- a friend of mine who you actually know, Adam, Sidney Kushner, shout out mm. if you're listening, Sydney. Um, we were talking about this recently because he's had an up and down relationship with some of his favorite teams when particular players have had really serious criminal, really serious moments where they committed sexual assault or where they um, had patterns of violence and um, he, he talked about how that had an effect on what his relationship to his sports teams was. Now, I think different people go about that differently, but I do think that there are ways that what you said brings up some interesting questions. I don't know. I don't know how exactly I got here, but basically going back to what you said about Tottenham, like I think that whole idea that we're supposed to like start our lives and end our lives with the same favorite teams and that to not do so, to adopt a new team out of the blue is somehow like weird or something to be suspicious of. I think that points to the parallels with love. Not that we're supposed to love the same people for life, but that you're supposed to like have one relationship of deep love, right? And even friends can get jealous of other friends when one person comes out of the blue and you want to spend more time with them, you know? Okay, so a lot to unpack. You brought up so many fucking good points. So I, I am ready to rock and roll. It was not coherent in any kind of linear way. I hope that's true <laughs> what you're saying. Yeah. No, this is, uh, what's the opposite of linear? Like geometric? Uh, sure. Or ex- yeah, yeah what a... Well, could be a sine well, wave. Exponential, yes, yes. One of those discontinuous graphs where it just pops all around, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So a lot of a lot of great points. All right. So let me just get anecdotally... You mentioned the Eagles. Uh, I was in tears when the Eagles won the Super Bowl in a very irrational, just it made no sense. The only sense was because I love my cousin, and he's a diehard Eagles fan. He's a bigger Eagles fan than maybe I am Mets fan, and that's, I think that's saying something. Um, you know, he's turned down jobs where, like, he would have to work Sunday because he knew he was going to watch the Eagles game. Wow. And it's just he is a fanatic, and I took off work Thursday to go to the Super Bowl parade. So I was at the Eagles parade. So glad that we have a, uh, yeah. an allegiance to it people was, who care it about it. It was a beautiful <laughs> thing. It, it, like, I'd, I'd have a hard time interacting with somebody who's a deep NFL fan who didn't get some real joy out of that. Like, yeah. it was just great. Okay, so the second thing, uh, following up on on your filibuster, uh, was bringing up what Sydney was saying about the ethical, uh, you know, ethical dilemmas uh, and criminality of maybe some of his favorite athletes 
off the field. So just dividing the two things off the field and on the field versus players and the team. So those players, again, it's it's just like if you're, you know, in an organization, in an organization, if the organization has a mission statement and the players, you know, don't resonate with that mission statement, they break a, a certain code, you know, they can be released, they can be traded, whatever. What is rarer is like when the whole team does something uh, that's pretty awful. And that's when you want to, quote unquote, break up with them in for, in terms of a moral and ethics standpoint. Not a, it's not a it's not you, it's me thing. But the best example is the 2007 Astros. And what do you do if you're an Astros fan? Are you breaking up with the? Are you breaking up with them? Are you instead of a divorce? Is it a separation? You said like, two thousand seven. Uh, was it? Was it seventeen? Uh, seventeen. Oh, thought, seventeen. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry. Two thousand seventeen. And I wasn't two thousand eighteen. I mean, it's just they they cheated. Like yeah. they were in cahoots as a team in the locker room. This is how you're going to cheat. You know. Th- so so that is that is uh, a little more difficult in terms of we need to spend some time away from each other because with a player i think you can rationalize rooting for a player you know like cut the nose to spite. wait what is it cut the nose despite the face i forget the phrase yeah yeah yeah. um and it's obviously we could have a whole different tangent if you root for an individual athlete like a nascar driver or tennis player golfer but there's there's uh that aspect um the other thing, do you want to chime in on that point? Well, so I'm thinking of the flip side, which is when an entire team is truly commendable in a particular way. And I'm thinking of that because, like I said, I'm from Milwaukee and yeah. I have been a Bucks fan for the last bunch of years. My Bucks fandom has, I don't know, we were just talking about graphs. So it's, you know, exponentially through the roof lately <laughs> because I. You know, even if I wasn't a Bucks fan, I would have looked at what they did to spur the league-wide NBA strike mm-hmm. around justice for Jacob Blake, um, who was shot seven times in Kenosha, Wisconsin, 45 minutes from where, I'm less than that, like 40 minutes from where I grew up, probably 35 minutes from the Bucks stadium. Like, for them to step up, not only to speak out against that, but to spur league-wide action... Um, and by the way, they were following, in certain senses, the lead of WNBA players, and that mm-hmm. doesn't get said enough. So I want to name that also. Um, mm-hmm. But like, that's the flip side, right? Like, I am so proud to root for the Milwaukee Bucks in a way I have never been proud of rooting for any other team. It's not that I haven't felt deep joy and passion about other teams, but like, this is a historically significant stand that that this team took and and it it matters as a sports fan to see what those players do because and I think there's a growing recognition among the players themselves that they do have this platform and that's great because they're starting to use it um and so basically I agree with with sort of the distinction you drew between if the whole team as a collective is doing terrible things or stands for something awful versus, you know, a particular player. I just think that it's also really awesome, and maybe there's smaller examples than what I'm describing, right? Maybe there's just moments where a team steps up in their local community 
in a meaningful way. I think that happens across sports pretty frequently in ways that are not always super visible. But like that side of it does matter. And it helps to illustrate how, I mean, I don't think people think of what the Bucks did as like a statement of love. But we're talking about love. And I, I do think that's a statement of love. I think it's a statement of profound love for their community. First off, they said, we have to do this because Kenosha is our territory. I mean, Kenosha's not Milwaukee. They could have said, well, it didn't quite happen here. But they said, we, this is our community. And somebody in our community was just totally, completely stripped of their humanity by an unjust system and by um, particular, you know, in, in individual cops who should be in jail. But like they, I think, did that from a place not just of like justice seeking, which I also commend, but from a place of love for individual people and for Milwaukee as a whole. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those things where you're more in love with them than you were before. Like if if you were to kind of, I don't know, anthropomorphize them, you know, what you would say to an individual, like you come home and like make them dinner, give them flowers. You can't do that. It's a fucking Milwaukee Bucks. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I feel like they did that to me. I feel like they did a gesture to me and to all the fans. Like, I'm thinking of grand gestures because I was just watching a TV show where they talked about grand gestures in romantic relationships. And they actually like kind of problematize them because mm-hmm. there can be misogyny in that where like mm-hmm. we think that the thing to do is just like be super public and mm-hmm. intense with our mm-hmm. crushes or love for women, whatever. But um, mm-hmm. in, in the positive sense, I feel like the recipient of a grand gesture. That's, they didn't do it for me, a white guy who's a fan of the Bucks. Mm-hmm. They, they did it for their they did it for wisconsin because kenosha's not quite milwaukee they did it for themselves they did it for communities they care about i don't know felt like a a significant gesture yeah it's wild again you can show gesture you know gestures of love or different love languages outside of your win-loss record or outside of what you do uh on the court which i i think is fascinating and um yeah i mean i was also you know just thinking about like uh friends and lovers in terms going back to what you and sydney were talking about the the difference between whether it's like whether the lack of love or i don't know what you it's not hate but like the i'm not mad i'm disappointed thing when when a when a friendship or a, a relationship kind of is deteriorating you know i i was thinking like there's with regards to people that you know disappoint you it is it you know is it a moral thing like an ethical thing like uh someone who is you know spouse is a spousal abuse um or someone who like you know, had a, had a DUI or, you know, some really awful other shit, or is it more like aesthetically sad? So like the difference between a relationship where someone is verbally or physically abusive, um, to the other person, or is it someone where it's just like, I'm just not happy. You sit in the couch all the time. You're not hurting me, but you're just like, you know, you're not trying at job. You're not, you know, you know, spending time with the kids, like you're not showing me, you know, acts of love or whatever. So that to me is like the difference between the, the, the moral thing is also like, if you have Araldus Chapman who like beat his wife or whatever, 
um, versus Aralis Chapman, who, you know, almost blows game seven uh, of the World yeah. Series. You know, those are two different reasons to those are two different reasons to not be a fan of him. But there's also it's very similar to, you know, the ethical and the aesthetic aspect of when relationships or friendships go go sour. Um, yeah. So that yeah. So that's one point. I want to go back to the Tottenham Hotspur thing because it also reminds me what you were saying about like this. It, it was kind of a good point about love shouldn't be ageist or ageism shouldn't yeah. have a place yeah. in in love. You're allowed to love a new team uh, at a, at 30, 40, 50, 60 or whatever, whenever it finds you. And, you know, and that's the same thing with other aspects of love. You should be 60 years old and be able to make new friends. Or, you know, if you're trying to meet a significant other, like why judge someone if they're like, you know, not in a relationship or like, God forbid their spouse passed. And like, we, we still judge people. It's like, Oh, you're, yeah. you're looking for love and you're 75. Yeah. So we still judge people, unfortunately in that aspect. And the other way we judge people to your point about, right. This notion of there are, you can be a fair weather fan. You can be a diehard fan. And then everything in bef- between everybody's welcome. Um, it's same thing with relationships, right? We put a lot of pressure on people to get married at a certain age, but if if two two people are aligned in their romantic goals, whether it's polyamory, open relationship, friends with benefits, like who are we to judge? I think society kind of has your default like this yeah. is what we expect of you, and then other people might feel like a pariah or might feel like they need to find their own people where it's just like be like you're saying be accepting of the people you brought this up in the religion episode be accepting of the people who are the christmas easter catholics the rush johnny yom kippur yeah. jews and and the same thing be be accepting of 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 fans who you know are interested they might not get up at five o'clock for every game maybe they sleep in and you know watch the games that they're able to but you can still, you know, you can still enjoy those people's company. You can still have, you know, treat them as like real fans. Um, and then yeah, it's a matter yeah, of how we ahead. measure love, right? Right. Because like, I, look, I love my uncle. My uncle loves me. Would either one of us say, I'm choosing my uncle on purpose because it's not like my mom or dad. It's not my my wife it's not like my very closest people but like my uncle and i to be honest both of us i know wish we spoke to each other more you know we mean to i'm sure everybody has some person like that um and by the way i'm gonna make a mental note to call uncle rich soon but like the there's it's the fact that we don't call each other that frequently is not a sign that we love each other less it isn't i mean it's both of us would like to change that, I'm sure. But the ways in which when we do connect with each other, the love is so clearly there and we can sort of pick up where we left off, which happens whenever I do get on the phone with him as much as it's not that frequent. Like, that's important. And I think that we struggle with that. We, like, we're, just, we're so used to measuring, like, work by how many hours you put in we're like in a capitalist society where more doing of things is equated with goodness um and look i i want to put in more time in my relationship with my uncle 
And there are many relationships in my life that I see as love relationships that are not my closest, that I don't invest as much time into. But like, they're real in the same way that, you know, I'm kind of that level with the Mets. You are, you are the regular, you live together in the same apartment with the Mets. I, I, <laughs> like, I don't. I, 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 the Mets are maybe not as distant as my, well, they're, I, I think that's actually similar. Maybe they're about my uncle. Like, I do love the Mets. I have deep, cherished memories of, of the Mets from my childhood. I have deep, cherished memories with my extended family from my childhood. I think that to distill how much I care about them to the amount of time I spend sort of proving it day to day is not fully the story. I think you also can allude to the fact that like when we haven't really talked about love as the feeling, right? We've talked about the the care, responsibility, the intimacy, loyalty, all that stuff. We haven't really talked about the 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 feeling and maybe this comes more for like romantic love but there is you know for for the mets it's like i feel a certain way about them i don't know what it is it's not always joy it's not always pain but the feeling that i get is like a subconscious like i love them because they're mine i don't know how to explain it but it's like the chicken egg egg chicken thing like do I learn to love it because it's mine or because it's mine, I learn to love it? Like, which which, which is first? Like, it's like, I feel like, like yes, when you, like, are really into someone, there probably is, there's chemistry and there's probably some element of, of physical attraction too, but also subconsciously, like, over, you know, when the sex habituates and, like, you guys are living together and, like, you're you're starting to build something, build a project together, build a life together. It becomes more like the 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 feeling has turned into responsibility. Like I feel responsible for this person, and I, you know there is there is some element of of randomness to it, right? Like I, I you know not I don't want to sound nihilistic, but like who we are attracted to, you can obviously say like who's symmetrical who's empirically attractive but like that love feeling you know i call it like not i call it that dichotomy not the dichotomy but the the conjunction of loving the person and liking the person too yeah it's like you know i i love them subconsciously but i like them for like rational things too that's why i think a lot of people will say they married their best friend when they say they married their best friend, they married a a friend, that's the more rational component that can be paralleled in other friends that they have too. Might not be as, you know, sexually intimate or like want to make that, you know, commitment or sign a contract with them, but um, there is that really irrational, you know, subconscious love-like yeah. dichotomy. And it, it is interesting because you know, with more technology now, you have more feeds going back to sports. You have more feeds of other teams. It used to just be, you could only see the local team. You know, if you lived in Queens, you would only be able to watch the Mets or the Yankees, let's say. But now there are all these, you know, cable packages, MLB package, NBA package, direct, you know, Sunday ticket, and you get to see all 
you get to see all these teams. And so you get to like actually gain more knowledge and have more of an more options to choose, you know, which which people like. It's like dating around, but there's something weird like you always have your your moral north or you're like, you know, yeah. you always come back to home. Uh yeah. home is where the heart is. I I, I don't, I don't know. There's yeah. That's that's interesting. I mean, I, I'm I'm just sort of sitting with a lot of the pieces you said. I mean, the the age one keeps coming back to me, and also the Tottenham stuff that you brought up. Which I mean, those are interrelated. Which is, I mm-hmm. I think if I were to think about my own emotional feelings and connections to the teams I root for, I think of the Packers, which I actually you know can't remember not caring about them like I cared about them so early in my life that it it feels like I was born into it I obviously wasn't there's nothing in like my body or mm-hmm. DNA that forces right. me to root for the Green Bay Packers and um, you were a Niners fan and, too for a little bit right you yeah I, in, that's that's a good yeah. point like my dad for whatever set of reasons like was into yeah. the Niners that's a whole other thing um so I rooted for the Niners for a very short period um but like there's that and then there's the Marquette piece which I did I mean that you could argue I really did I was birthed into because my dad like taught at Marquette University when I was born um and but I didn't really start rooting for them until I was I'm gonna say nine or ten in a in a conscious way and then to go to your Tottenham piece there's like my relationship with Rangers FC Scottish Scottish soccer team Mm. they would say football (laughs) team um I played FIFA in like 2004. I opened it up and I wanted to do dynasty mode or whatever they call it, where you have like a multiple season thing. I didn't know any teams. The default league for whatever reason was like the Scottish league. I think you weren't allowed to play with the best teams because that would be too easy. So like it went to the Scottish one and I just like flipped through them and picked Rangers. I think they were the second best rated team in the game. I think Celtic was higher rated that year, um, which is very much how I root for things. I like to root for good teams that aren't quite the best in their thing. Um, and I like have this quirky relationship to them. And I think of myself as sort of casually rooting for them. And I've actually deepened in certain senses how much I follow them under pandemic. And I think that it's similar to like a late in life relationship that, I mean, I'm not that late in life, right? But it's it's like somebody who connects to somebody romantically late after they're supposed to in quotes. And I think there's a love that you can have for a team specifically when you kind of sought them out. Like I'll have a story with Rangers that I will never have with the Packers because my story for the Packers is simple. I lived in, I mean, it's a great story. It doesn't make it bad. Like I grew up in Wisconsin and that that's who I rooted for Rangers. Like, this weird set of things made me choose a random team across the world. And I do have this like emotional relationship to them. It's not that deep. I'm not going to claim it's super. I don't want to claim it's bigger than it is, but it's something. And I think it reflects how we have these different relationships to sports teams that start in different ways that, that maybe they end sometimes. Um, But it's, it's not, we shouldn't be judging ourselves at any stage as like, oh gosh, I'm like less devoted to my team than I was a few years ago. What a shame. Or, 
you know, why do I care more now when they're playing well? Like, what does that reflect about me when they weren't quite as good? Like, I as a fan do a decent amount of that, I'll be honest. And I think even deep sports fans do that internal psychology stuff. And I think the reality is we just have different loves for different teams. And that's similar to how in our lives we have different loves with different relationships. Yeah, I hear and I heard that like when I think about the the ageism part, like it's never too old to love versus never too old to like find a team and you making your parallels with choosing the Rangers on FIFA. I don't I don't see the I don't see the the the, the connection as age. I think that what it is is like the randomness or the luck involved. And I think you know, it's natural to think as you get older, it's you know, it's harder to find luck to get lucky. You've been around the you've you've been around a few times. You feel like uh, if it's not going to happen to me at a certain point at 30, 40, 50, it's not going to happen, you know. So when I hear like you choosing the team on FIFA, it's 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 almost like the the kismet aspect, like you didn't choose them, they chose you. It's very random. Same way that I feel about Tottenham and a few of my other teams, right? I think like a good love, like think about uh, a good love story. What do we always ask? What What is the cliche thing that people ask? It's the meeting story. How'd you guys meet? So mm-hmm. for a lot of, you know, for, for a lot of people, obviously like, look, you're born into a certain city with a team or you're born to a certain family. There are kind of the more like fortuitous kismet, you know, reasons for being, for being a fan. I remember I became an Islanders fan because that was the first hockey game I went to because I won a, a raffle at a Carvel ice cream parlor to go see a game. And my dad drove me out the final game of the season. They were a shitty team, probably only won 20 games all year, drove in a, in a blizzard and we saw them win. You know, I, I remember that so well. Um, and it's also this love aspect, especially with, with Tottenham and you with Rangers, maybe, you know, we think that we ought to, when it comes to love, and I know we've talked a lot, a lot about romantic love, we think that we have agency. Like, we've been taught to think that we're more in control than yeah. we actually are, where a lot of the right attitude is, you know, instead of, like, you're waiting for the right person, it's like, well, how do you know that there's not someone waiting for you? Like, you, you we just don't really think about it like that. And it's like, oh, shit, here I am thinking yeah. that it's all in control but it's really really not um yeah i I, yeah i just i i think of of the luck aspect and i think that's kind of like the nirvana when you feel like you won a champ win a championship like everything comes together it's like the ultimate love we haven't even talked about the parallels of you know a championship versus engagement all you know i know you love the parallels of like the ring you know get that ring um i i i and I'm just I'm I'm so stuck on this nature of of what happens when a team moves because I think that's the ultimate yeah breakup. I was thinking about uh, that too I was thinking about my that grandfather too. my grandfather does not is not interested in sports and he's a very educated person had a has had a great life he's 90 years old still has a full head of hair he's he's crushing life he always has and. You know, to the end of his days, he always will. And he's not—he's not a sports—he's not a sports fan. And he lives in New York City. He doesn't you know all every all of his other his his children and his grandchildren 
you know, at least all the the men on his side, they're big sports fans. But he just he's he's not he he never was into it. But I found out I, I gave him a call six weeks ago to check in, and we talked about how much he loved the Brooklyn Dodgers when he was in his twenties. Mm. Mm. He was an avid Dodgers fan and would take off work to go you know see the games and I'd turn on the radio when they were watching. He did, like that was that was his identity. He was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan. And he's not the type of person to like to open up and like really, you know, he nothing has to mean anything. You, you don't have to make a strong causation and be like, yes, this is the reason why, you know, like I never knew who the Yankees were playing, never knew like I couldn't name one player on the Yankees other than Derek Jeter, you know. But he was a big Dodgers fan and they left and they broke his and, you know, millions of other people's hearts. And I can't imagine how many other people yeah. in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, you know, trying, either still trying to listen to Dodgers games at like 10 o'clock Eastern and then being like, this is, I can't put in this effort. Like, it's not worth it. Yeah. And then also there's people who just like, you know, how can they love something else knowing that they left in a broken heart? <laughs> like, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, no, that's, that's the perfect, yeah. I mean, that's the perfect example. I was thinking about the Brooklyn Dodgers because there's so many... Yeah, it. I mean, you could talk about it as a long distance relationship for the people that like continued rooting for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, my understanding is that that's not a majority of people. Like for most people, it was just this truly traumatic, awful breakup. And I don't think breakup is a ridiculous world word. Um, we could even talk about like the Browns and how they ran away to Baltimore and then like a new Browns arose. In, 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 <laughs> like that's a whole other weird way like we can think about breakups and getting back together i don't even know but like i i'm going in a weird direction but like i know we're closing out this episode and like i'm thinking back to the previous ones and like i just want to say to you adam i don't think you expect this but like it feels like a worthwhile moment to reflect on my love for you and to <laughs> Because, and you and I have talked a little bit about this before. Like, uh, there was a moment where before my wedding, I asked you to be one of my groomsmen. And you were, like, surprised. And it wasn't ridiculous for you to be surprised because there's no, there's no like, stage in our life where we were spending, like, the most time together. In college, we had certain periods where we, like, spent a decent amount of time together. But it surprised you. And you could say more about that if you want. But like, from my perspective, you are somebody who, from when I first met you in a freaking Facebook group um, for people that had gotten into Brown and whatever, we were like messaging about it. Like, we had this connection. And, and I knew that even if I wasn't spending, you know, every day hanging out with you, there was something of depth there. And you know, without going into details, we we have one day a year where we specifically check in with each other um, that ties to a moment that was important in both of our lives. Um, and sometimes, you know, we haven't done a great job of checking in between those moments, but we have that moment. And to me, that's similar. I mean, I don't want to analogize it too much because I don't want to cheapen it by like making it into like one of my relationships to sports teams. But like, I think that to say that my relationship with you is something I hold truly dear is like a deep understatement. It doesn't get close. And so I just think that in a conversation about love and our 
and its relationship to sports, it's worth saying that because in the same way I struggle to find the right language to describe exactly what my relationship is to that Rangers FC or is that, I mean, Rangers FC is not quite, is not enough for what I feel to you. It's, it's, you know, veering towards that Marquette and Packers level. But like, I just want to say that because um, I think if each of us thought through our connections to people, there's the easiest, most core people in our lives that we would sort of jump to when we think about our sports fandom. Like, ah, my relationship to my sports teams is just like my relationship with my siblings or with my parents or with my romantic partner. But I think that it can, it can go to, to friends like you are to me in a very deep way. Shit. Wow. <laughs> That's, well, thank you. And I... Threw a curveball. Yeah, yeah, no, that's very, very, that's very, very sweet of you, but it is 100% accurate. It's like, you know, what does it mean? There's, I don't know if it's like about being present. I just know that you're always there for me. I'm always there for you. It's unwritten. It's unspoken. Might not see all, all the time. It's, you know, with the pandemic, it's, you know, it's harder to, to see you physically, but we will always be there for our big moments. And we always, we have this trust that we're not going anywhere in each other's lives. And, you know, that's another thing too, this trust of consistency um, with mm-hmm. sports. I, yeah, I, I guess... And it's not always it's it's the ups and the downs too, right? Um, I, I always like to make that dichotomy: like, the, is it happiness or is it meaning? Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm running out of analogies. I think we should just end on your incredible comment. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm blown away. But you hit the nail on the head. And I think I'm blown away because our friendship is. It is exactly the way I feel about like, you know, whatever I want to say about the commitment or or being present while, you know, I might not, not always be there, but I'm always checking up on you. It's the same way. Like, you know, we have each other's Facebooks and Instagrams to like see how he's how we're doing. And, you know, I'll, I'll check the stats of like the Islanders and, you know, the Knicks. I might not watch all of their games, but, you know, I still care and take responsibility for yep. your well-being in ways that I can. So without me rambling on, I wish, uh, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll cut that part so you can be poetic at the end. And Hey, this is a wrap up of the 10th and final part of this series. And you have been here for three out of 10 episodes. You're three hunt batting 300. So a hall of famer. Hey, I'll take it. Um, and yeah man thanks again for doing this it always means a lot to me um i wish i I, I hope for more conversations like these in the in the future just about sports and life and just you know parallels not parallels but uh yeah man thanks for thanks for coming on the show thanks for having me on it's been super fun all three and uh i appreciate any of y'all out there listening who paid me the honor of listening to my voice three times that's pretty cool so thanks to y'all too